0: Hello and welcome to another episode of How Are You Holding Up, a mental health podcast by the depressed for the depressed. I'm Lindsay,
1: and I'm Chris,
0: and we have a
2: guest. Hello, it's New Hologram again. <laughs> Second new hologram too, the son of Hologram.
1: <laughs> Yay! <laughs> welcome oh, back, man. Thank yes, you. it's good to have you back. It, it is in the digital land this time, not in person. Yes. yes. So. Uh, first off, Linz. Yes. How are you holding up?
0: I'm doing better than the last time I spoke on this podcast. And Chris, how are you holding up?
1: I am doing okay. <laughs> I, uh, I, I, yeah, same, same kind of predicament of my, my brain chemistry is great. Yeah. But my thought patterns are still shitastic. Mm-hmm. So, you know, I just I just one thing, one thing at a time. It's fine. It's fine. But ultimately, yeah, we did have some folks reach out and wanted to make sure you were okay. <laughs> Cause they were concerned, just like people were concerned when I was uh in my deepest, darkest depression well.
0: Yes, and I was. This was a deep one for me. It, I haven't been that bad in a little over a year, I think. And um, I'm really glad that I'm not still in there because I was starting to consider medication. Mm-hmm. And new hollow, how are you holding up?
2: Um, I'm spicy and <laughs> PMSing and just really grateful and feeling every emotion at once. And I'm in pain, so I'm really medicated. And you could probably hear it in my voice. Sorry about that. A lot, of, a lot of drugs and a lot of yoga. So got the blood flowing too. Um, got that
1: drug yoga. Yeah. <laughs> drug
2: yoga, <laughs> ganja yoga. Um, yeah, I, you know, I, I'm so calm. I think when you spend so much of your life in constant state of anxiety, when something horrible like this happens in real life, it's like, okay, I, I already know what to do. I, I've been preparing for this and millions of other scenarios in my head forever.
1: Yeah, which leads okay. us to tonight's topic, which mm-hmm. is the uh, <laughs> the amazingness that is you have been more or less in a situation that people are now experiencing for the first time mm-hmm. because you are you have a chronic illness mm-hmm. and you have been doing all of the things that people have been doing now: the wearing of masks, the protecting yourself when you go outside. Be staying inside a heck of a lot because your health just would not allow you to go outside. Yep. And you have a unique perspective on this whole situation.
0: Mm-hmm. we sure does. You, yeah, we've had you on
2: this before. Do you guys remember the episode? Um,
1: I think it was chronic illness. Yeah, it
0: was,
2: I think it was just chronic illness in general.
0: I just don't remember the number, but yeah, the chronic illness. We definitely recommend you guys listen to that as well, mm-hmm. where um, she talks about what she goes through, but I'm so glad to have you back because it it is a unique
1: perspective. It was literally episode 40, so almost... (laughs) It was 40 episodes (laughs) ago.
2: Nice, nice. Four has been my lucky number lately, so I like that.
0: Magic. Love it. So tell me all about what you've been experiencing from your perspective.
2: So I guess just to, you know, catch people up in case they forgot or didn't watch the original episode, I am diagnosed with ulcerative colitis, narcolepsy without cataplexy, fibromyalgia, and myalgic encephalomyelitis. With these illnesses come a lot of comorbid bullshit, and it just never ends. So I could list like probably 50 conditions that I have, and that's when people start to think, mm-hmm, she's making it up. You know, it's it sucks because it's, it's just part of my reality that people don't get it because they think there's no way you could be a person and have all of these diagnosed things but it's like that that's the reality of millions of people and you have
1: um, yeah you have invisible illnesses that's <laughs> just they are literally described exactly that invisible <laughs>
2: mm-hmm. Sorry, which,
0: which which comes with <clears throat> i know that a lot of trauma comes from people not believing and questioning like who is who who questions someone's disabilities or issues like why would anybody make those things up and and experiencing such incredible like obvious symptoms i know i, I know, i've known you now for a while and i feel like mm-hmm. i can tell just from the tone of your voice when you're feeling um okay like kind of even out or when you're in pain or Mm -hmm. when you know like you don't even have to tell me now and for people to wonder like well why do you need to have a disability placard or why do you need to miss so much work or why do you wear a mask like it's so bizarre to me that in usa um wearing a mask is such a I don't know, like uh, this weird paradigm of like, oh,
2: uh, it's, it's looked down upon or embarrassing. There's so many things I can say about everything you just said, so that I'm gonna try to remember every point. But <laughs> I, I actually emailed myself something before bedtime. I had a, I was ranting in my head, and so I wrote a note to myself that said, for me, it's not even just that people think we're faking because, I oh, don't know, that we're faking being sick for the attention, it's that none of them will ever know unless they get sick too, what a feat it is for us to go about our everyday lives in bodies that tremble from exhaustion. And that's the trauma. It's yeah, it sucks not being believed, but the trauma is I am giving it my all to do little baby things, to do a fraction of what adults do. And no one is recognizing how, much it takes out of me to claw my way through life every day in pain and throwing up and blah blah my butt is bleeding you know it's it's just it's yeah. stupid shit like that and that yeah. it's gross it's uncomfortable it's embarrassing and i have to be the strongest person because everyone else is too fucking fragile to be there for a sick friend or family member because it's it's upsetting to them Mm-hmm. So they block it out. It's selective empathy. It's just a, it's a thing they do to protect themselves. And it's not necessarily malicious, but they go, I don't want to feel that way about someone I love. They must be faking in their head. It's like a subconscious thing. It's so weird. That is bizarre. Mm-hmm.
1: It is uh, just a more or less a form of denial. I mean, it's that style. is it's it's really just denial where, you know, it. Yeah, like you said, nobody wants someone they love and care about to go through what you go through, mm-hmm. like, so much on such a consistent basis. Like, well, I
0: think it's also interesting because um, I'm thinking about the parallels of when somebody comes out and says, I have depression to somebody else, mm-hmm. and a lot of the response is, I think you're fine. <laughs>
1: Oh, yeah. Like, you don't have depression. Yeah. Mm-hmm.
0: Yeah. And it's like – and I've even actually felt that response in me to somebody who I was like, there's no way this person has depression. And then I had to, like, stop myself before I said it, of course. I'd be like, Lindsay, you have a podcast. <laughs> <And> <laughs> like, listen to what they're saying. Don't put your own – and
2: I don't know why we do that. Why do it's, we do that? It's an automatic animal caveman brain that we just do to try to protect ourselves because it's, it's scary and – um even when we have experience with it, it's like I I remember finding myself like I'd meet like a girl on set who had an illness, too. And there would be this stupid little little shit baby voice in my head like me. me. And I'm like, why are you me meing at her? Like she's <laughs> she's a family member to you because you guys are in this together. Oh, yeah. I mean, you, you don't know if she's faking.
1: Yeah. She, you guys know- are both in this shitty fraternity of yeah. people who suffer from chronic illness. And then, it
2: yeah, it's stupid. And then, like, on the subject of masks in America. So, I did a homestay in Japan in 2009 for three months. I was 19. And masks are just a thing. You go to work. You, f- you hear something is going around. A rumor that's flu season soon. So, you just wear your mask. You, uh, you don't feel good yourself. You wear a mask. It, you don't feel like showing your face that day. You wear a mask. <laughs> masks are just used all the time. And... Like, I started wearing them after my homestay in America, and um, if I would wear them, like, on set, like, if someone was coughing or if I wasn't feeling good or, you know, there was dust in the air or whatever reason, people would always harass me about it. It was so Mm -hmm. triggering to them to see someone else being weird in a mask. And so they would attack me for it.
1: (laughs) It was through you, actually, that I started wearing masks whenever I was getting sick. Mm -hmm. Like, I bought so many just like n95 the medical grade masks because Mm -hmm. it made sense to me like why would i want to get those around me sick so i started like having masks and now all of a sudden i was like well fuck you all (laughs) who's got the masks now bitch So we get to i I've, i've always thought that was such a weird thing that americans just didn't do especially when you live in such a crowded like condensed kind of community it's it's ridiculous
0: and it's not so much of for me it was never like oh it's it's not popular because fashion or whatever it is what it is but actually attacking and being um dismissive or rude you know or trying to put somebody down actively for it has always been kind of an odd thing to me Mm -hmm. um especially if someone's just trying to keep healthy. I don't understand. Uh, yeah.
2: Yeah. That, that's really the reason that anyone attacks anyone about anything. It's, it's a, ooh, they're doing something that if I was doing, I would feel like people should beat me up because I'm a freak for. Yeah. And then they attack. It's just. And with yep. the, so with the quarantine, I've been seeing a lot
0: of memes going around about, you know, especially people with depression or anxiety. We're like, oh, I've been preparing for this my whole life. Like I knew this was coming and like this fear is real. And I'm not actually freaking out like my – healthy extrovert or healthy introverted friends are but it's different when you have a chronic illness because then you're also dealing with the people who are saying well I'm young I I can go out it's fine I'm if I get sick it's fine
2: yeah and like more and more we're seeing obviously it's not fine people with no underlying health problems young people are succumbing to this and it's like you know I, I can't say if I would have a bad um time with it I don't know i think maybe i would (laughs) it it's just it when we have the we have this problem where we we don't think about other people and that sounds really simple when i say it like that but all Mm -hmm. the people i'm not worried because i'm healthy it's like it was never about you yeah yeah about you yeah
0: yeah. And I think I, something that was interesting for me to deal with was I have terrible lungs. I've had terrible lungs since I was a little kid. I had asthma, um, but I didn't have such bad asthma as an adult. Like I kind of grew out of it. Um, but every time I get sick, I go straight to my lungs. And I just didn't want to make a big deal about it. Like I got nervous when I found out that this is going to attack people who have, you know, bad lungs, or whatever. But I didn't want to, I didn't feel like, It was appropriate for me to be like a guy is like I have to stay home, I need to quarantine because I almost felt like ashamed or embarrassed Mm -hmm. by it, and I was like, how crappy does the society have to be where we don't want to protect each other and we don't want to take care of one another and we just don't care, and then we'll not only that but we'll put down and abuse people who do. Mm
1: -hmm. Yeah, it is the weirdest. Like, it's so funny. Um, my grandmother, one of her friends, actually, she, you know, she's in her late eighties and she s- said she didn't want to wear a mask because she felt silly. And, yeah. and, and my grandma literally was like, well, no, that's, that's not silly. It's keeping you safe. <laughs> and I said, you know, it looks sillier than a mask, a coffin.
2: That's way <sighs> sillier.
1: That's so much more silly. And my grandma was like, oh, I'm using that. (laughs) So it's, it's so like, I don't understand it. People are not understanding this, the severity of it, or if they are, it's, it's like shouting into the void sometimes.
0: Yeah. Well, I think people are starting to, I think the news started to catch up a little bit finally.
1: And -hmm. unfortunately
0: we're seeing cases with younger people. And of course the people who did go out and say it will screw it are now sick. Mm -hmm. Yeah. but let's bring it back to New Hollow and mm-hmm. what what you've been doing to cope and, and have a good mental place for yourself. Well,
2: yeah. since I have so much experience just, you know, having to keep sane and busy and manage mood swings, manage flare ups, manage whatever every day. I I'm so good at like scheduling myself. So I have a planner, I write it in every night, I color codes, you know, self care chores you know tedious things and then I have a whole section just for creative stuff or games and you know whatever hobbies things like that and I'm realizing oh my god most people don't do this most Mm -hmm. people don't write a schedule for themselves on a day off they just wake up whenever eat whenever oh maybe I'll do this or that and that's their day and I'm like damn like we should be teaching this at a young age, because the only reason I survived so many years in isolation, sick and depressed and feeling unsupported was because I was able to turn to creative things and, you know, other things. I just learned how to not just be busy, but how to listen to what I need. You know, if I want to, I'm like, oh, I want to, I want to do something. I need stimulation, but I'm having a flare up. I should rest instead And not feeling guilty about being in bed resting. Yeah. We feel so guilty about doing nothing.
1: Yeah, no, I I personally, I can vouch, I am incredibly guilty of being unable to really give myself that ability (laughs) to just, like, take a day and rest. Mm -hmm. I suck at it. I suck real hard at it. But it's, it's so important to just Take, those to- take that time that you would normally spend freaking out. But I think that, like, the other thing is you keep yourself to a schedule when you don't necessarily, like, yeah, like you said, most people don't do what you do. Mm-hmm. But you're keeping yourself sane by giving yourself structure. Yeah. As opposed to letting it just be chaos.
0: Yeah, I remember somebody talking about also when you start working from home and how working from home is going to be different than working in the office. You're going to work less hours, but you'll be more efficient. You should take more breaks. Um, You'll work weirder hours and it'll be better. You'll be more effective and you have to let go of some of the guilt. There's a mass guilt going on and anger and uh, fear of not knowing what's going to happen in the future. But do we ever know what's going to happen? It's interesting to watch us all kind of, yeah, not know. And you have to be okay with not knowing. And I think a big thing is people being stuck with themselves and their partners Mm -hmm. for the first time ever. Yeah.
1: (laughs) Yeah, like
2: I feel so grateful that I just like live at home and it's really chill. I just I have my cats and – I feel bad because there are a lot of people who are stuck with like family. They don't want to be around or, you know, shitty roommates. And I'm like, wow, that that situation is tough to manage your mood in and to schedule yourself when you have other people interfering. Yeah,
1: oh, especially. Yeah, uh, that's it's it's. In a way, I am incredibly kind of glad that I am single at the moment and not living with a partner just because it, at least with my track record, it would have probably ended in, I don't know, a murder-suicide or something. I don't know. (laughs) It would have been horrible. My track record is horrible. I'm just
0: grateful I don't have children
1: yeah you know for for
0: all of you who do have children um you're amazing and you're my hero and i'm never like to do that to myself
1: yeah no you guys are you guys are killing it and hopefully not actually killing it because (laughs) please do not murder your children as much as they may drive you to want to that's not a thing we we endorse on this program
0: So before we uh, were talking on the podcast, New Hollow, I was like, so like, how are you guys doing with the quarantine now in L.A.? It's been um, pushed for another month.
2: And I loved your response. You were like, nothing has changed for me. (laughs) (laughs) It's true. I'm like, I'm realizing, wow, like my everyday life, like how isolated I am is apparently not normal. And oh, I, I'm like, oh, my God, I, I really don't, you know, I see people at work. Other than that, i it's just me yeah. and my cats. And, and that used to be, like, I talk about it a lot, like, on my blog and on my channel. Because, like, the isolation part of the beginning of, like, when I was first diagnosed and going through all of that, that was horrible. Cause, you know, you feel like no one believes you. No one, you know, people who you thought were going to be cool abandon you because they're like, oh, they don't want to be part of that. And I felt so unlovable and worthless and I was alone. I had to sit in those thoughts. Yeah. And Especially when you're young in your 20s. Yeah. You know, when was, you're supposed
0: to be partying. You're supposed to be coming into your own. You're supposed to be going out now with this newfound freedom.
2: Yeah. Like all my friends were like going to Vegas and dating and like here I am in my bed like with ice packs all over me. I can't see straight. I just threw up a lot. And this is just like normal for me. How depressing. And now I'm like, no. You know, I'm I learned a lot from it. It wasn't cute. It wasn't fun. It wasn't glamorous. But I learned a lot of skills that now I'm like, wow, I have all these skills. And most people who are in this whole lockdown situation don't. And so now they're having to learn it at a much different time in their life. And
0: I feel like you've found a lot of peace
2: with yourself.
1: mm -hmm. Yeah.
0: You know, that's something that I've always gotten from being around you is you're a very peaceful person. How do you what would you recommend for people to starting on like a more peaceful
2: healing journey with themselves? Uh, The most important thing is uh, to forgive yourself for everything, for not being perfect, for your um, less mature, less educated, less socially sophisticated less kind self from your past you have to start there you're never gonna you know run around trying to make sense of your trauma and get apologies from people who who messed you up um when you still hold a lot of hate for yourself and so something i had to realize was just how so much turbulence that i was feeling inside was always happening in my personal relationships. Um, yeah. And I, I made a decision that I didn't want to live that way anymore. And, you know, I have my relapses where I'll, you know, uh, something will trigger me and I'll completely like, blah, my life is over. <laughs> you know, it's just, oh, it's ugly and it's stupid. And then I just cry in the bathtub for a while <laughs> and pick myself up, put a face mask on, you know, vape, get in bed. Just let yourself cry it out. Let you gotta feel what you're feeling. But yeah. you 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 know, even if you have one of those horrible days, be cool with yourself about it. Don't beat yourself up. You're just feeling what you're feeling. There's nothing wrong with it. I love that.
1: Yeah. No, that's uh that's been something that I've you know, I've tried to take from our friendship as much as possible. It's just like it it, it's so it's so difficult to understand that the forgiveness does have to start with you
2: Mm
0: -hmm. and i don't think that forgiveness necessarily is linear or mourning you know like i know that for me i had to mourn certain things um not i'm not talking about just you know someone passing or or a relationship ending but also mourning what you thought you were going to have in your life. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Oh, absolutely. What you, yeah. The plans you thought you were going to have, the things you thought you were going to do, your dreams. And sometimes mourning that um, goes hand in hand with also forgiving yourself for not being able to do certain things right then. You know, doesn't mean you can't find maybe an
2: alternative path, but yeah. Uh, oh, it takes so much. Um, like uh, I turned 30 recently, back in December. And, oh, my God, I realized I went from being the oldest 20 to the youngest 30. I'm a baby again. And (laughs) I'm just like, wow, you know, I my 20s was all about I got to do this. I got to do this. I got to accomplish. And beating myself up, you know, oh, I, I lost so much progress because I was sick and I had to be in bed and I was isolated. And I have to just be like, no, we don't live in that timeline. We don't live in the timeline where I was healthy and I went to music school and, like, by the time I was 24, I had all these skills. No, we live here where I'm 30 and I had a very different experience, but the only thing you have is right now. So don't put uh, restrictions on yourself based on time. Silly. Yes. Didn't yeah. Do any good.
1: 100% yeah. agree.
0: I had a weird night last night. I couldn't, I couldn't fall asleep and I love sleep when I'm depressed even, I, I'll sleep even longer than I should. But I last night was up till like three or four in the morning and I wanted so badly to sleep. And I just was going over all of these people who have either left my life or who I hurt and like all, you know, all those past traumas that you have, that I had thought, oh, I've, I've healed from, I've gotten through, or like, I'm doing pretty well with. And it all came rushing back to me. Mm-hmm. And at one point I just had to feel it again and throw out and i'm sorry and and feel like crap for a little bit and know that the next day would be a new day and i woke up and i was like i felt removed from all that again but it was so real at the time Mm -hmm. and i feel like this quarantine is bringing out some weird stuff for me um I've always liked being alone, but I've never liked being forced alone for weeks and weeks and weeks, you know. And I take a lot of strength from my family and from my small little circle of friends. And I haven't been able to see these people. And going through um, losing a friend has been so painful and and reliving some weird trauma through that of like, if I tell other people what's going on with us, will they believe me? Will they choose sides? Mm -hmm. Will they well, I look like the bad guy for bringing it up. And then that brings me into a loop of like all the friends I've lost because of breakups or because I just chose the wrong people. And so I think quarantine is going to bring out some things for people that they weren't ready to face and trying to learn to process it. And for me, what's been helpful has definitely been um, not letting myself close people out because that's the biggest thing I want to do is like avoid talking to people even more because it's Mm -hmm. embarrassing. But yeah, talking to people about it, like you said, crying and then putting a face mask on and going outside in the sunshine.
1: Mm
0: -hmm. Yeah. (laughs) Yeah.
2: It's really important right now. It's like a lot of us do have trauma about like asking for help and not being believed and being made to believe that it's something wrong with us. Like it has something to do with us being weak as people that we have to go to someone and say, I'm depressed. I'm having bad thoughts or I'm having a flare up and I'm just not in a good place, whatever it is. And so, you know, it's more important right now than ever to make sure you're reaching out. You know, there are people who, their whole lives, they never realized that they relied on social interaction and being around people all the time to feel a certain way and it's been ripped away from them and they're just home alone, jobless, like, oh my God, yeah. so much of me was in that and now where is it? Yeah. And this is
0: also something that's interesting that I've noticed. I, I, I joined an online depression support group and... Something that I was hearing echoed back to me by a lot of people was they feel like we are going back like you are regressing, you know, like, oh, mm-hmm. man, like I used to self-quarantine myself when I was depressed. And now I feel like I'm being forced into that place that I thought I was past
2: mm-hmm.
0: or, you know, I'm I'm cut off from all these people and, and, and the people who don't reach out to you like, okay, we're going through a giant crisis and you literally haven't messaged me yet. You know, like mm-hmm. it's interesting to see some certain friendships and relationships fall away and see who really does reach out to you where Where is your personality? Are you you or are you your job? Mm-hmm. that kind of mm-hmm. stuff
1: yeah yeah <laughs> i actually uh uh it's funny one of my my cousins reached out actually to me uh on my on my dad's side, and it was the one that you know. Shipped me my dad's ashes, um, and they are going to send me some more of his things, and I was just like, "Wow, I, yeah," I was a little bit blown away of just like, this is quite possibly one of the like worst times in any of our lives, and your thought was to send me stuff like that th- I I just didn't expect it it kind of blew my mind um i've been trying to reach out more and more to people but i also suck at it (laughs) so it's uh it's difficult it
0: is difficult
1: because you know you you all know the the fun psychological pattern you get into of Oh, I haven't reached out to this person in a while. I feel shitty because I haven't reached out to that person in a while. I shouldn't reach out to that person because they'll think I'm shitty for not reaching out to them sooner. (laughs) (laughs) And then you just perpetuated the cycle of I'm not going to reach out to this person.
0: (laughs) It's so stupid. Yeah.
1: But I'm really I am incredibly glad to have you both in my life.
0: Thank you, Chris. I'm really glad Thanks. that I have both of your friendships. Yeah, same. It's yeah. really, really powerful.
1: <laughs> yeah. It's We're really all there Im- for each other.
2: Yeah, it's really important right now and, you know, we, now we have this kind of technology and we can do this kind of stuff, so use the hell out of it, you know? Yes. You gotta oh. hunker down together even if you're not next to each other. And, yeah.
1: Yeah, Netflix party, guys. Yeah. <laughs>
2: <laughs> um, I wanted to talk about um, a lot of discussions that have been going on in the chronic illness communities.
1: Yes, please. About,
2: um, so, you know, suddenly everyone is having to stay home and now we have all this telecommuting and you can do online school, you can get things delivered, you can do doctor appointments over the phone, you can do all these amazing things, right? Well, mm-hmm. the only problem is that the chronically ill and disabled community have been asking for these things literally since the beginning of time and we've always been told, no, you can't do that. You, you know, telecommuting is only for seniors. So you can't do online school. We don't offer that. Oh, you can't uh, do this or this over the phone, whatever it is. And it's just frustrating because it's like, you know, you see all these stories of people having to drop out of school because they couldn't do online college and they were really, really ill with flare ups that year. And suddenly there's a risk to healthy people and the whole world adjusts and makes it seem so easy when before they are like, no, we can't do that. We can't do this thing for you for accessibility so you can be a part of the community. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Like, here, I'm going to take a sip. Mm. Today, I had a I had a doctor appointment over the phone today for the first time in my life. I'm thinking about all the times I was so sick and having to drive myself at 6 in the morning to f- faraway doctors. And how it killed me, just to make the trip to the doctor, and yeah, it's just it's 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 almost like the world we've been living with the isolation and not being able to do things is suddenly being forced on everyone as well,
1: yeah,
0: there's a really interesting documentary right now on Netflix called Crip Camp. I don't know if you guys have heard of it, um, yeah, it's the documentary, and it's about these uh this camp from the 1970s. I think it was like 1971, uh, Camp Jeanette. And it was a summer camp in New York. It was a kind of loose, free-spirited camp designed for teens with disabilities. And the film focuses on the campers who turned themselves into activists for the first time because they went to this camp where other people couldn't walk or where they had to have their you know, butt wiped by somebody else. And they were... But it wasn't like... Shameful thing. It was with, you know, 30 other teenage kids, and they were getting high with the counselors, and they were all figuring out what they were going to eat for the first time. They were being treated like people, not their disability. And so they went on to, I didn't know a lot of this, but they went on, a lot of them became heavily involved in the disability rights movement and fought for accessibility legislation. Mm-hmm. Because at the time, in the 1980s, there was no um, this isn't disability. Uh, this, this isn't uh, uh, what do you call it? Um, oh my god, I'm blanking on the word. Uh, when it's accessible for somebody, so they didn't have to have ramps, they didn't have to have mm-hmm. elevators, they didn't mm-hmm. have to, and people would have to like just just to get down to the subway, they would have to crawl down the stairs. Mm-hmm. Because they there was no elevator. And you know what they all said? The people in government, they were like, well, yeah, but think about how few people this affects and how much money it would take to force everyone. Like, is that fair for the companies to force these companies to now install things, to make people? And they sat in and, like, lived in these people's offices. And the guys had to, like, leave. I mean, it was so powerful. And these are oh. disabled. I mean, I'm talking about, like – no legs, mm. you know, catheters, bags that need to be changed, um, inability to speak, deaf community. And it was just incredible. And they all came together to fight this. And it was a fight. I mean, it took a long time for something to change. This was just in the 1980s. This is in 1986 when they finally passed that.
1: The Americans with Disabilities Act. Yeah. The ADA.
0: Unbelievable. And and so it, and that reminds me of that. Like, hopefully this will make us and i i'm frustrated because i feel like it won't but i'm seeing all these memes go around like now you know we shouldn't go back to the new like the normal we shouldn't we should create a new world we should see how we should change things and i just feel like it won't happen but maybe this is a good start for some of us to see and to fight for that you know what i mean
2: yeah this Mm -hmm. is exposing all of the cracks that people have been falling through for a really long time and that people have been trying to bring awareness to but it's always like eh it doesn't affect enough people, but but it's like it's millions of people, millions that, of people. Mm-hmm. I mean, you can read Twitter threads from um, interabled couples who like the struggle they go through trying to buy an accessible house or get an accessible hotel when they travel. And it's like, you know, they'll be they'll arrive somewhere with all their bags and a taxi will see the husband in the wheelchair and drive away. Yep. And yeah. that's just the kind of mentality that is being exposed as being just very cruel like we obviously we already knew but a lot of people it's just not in their experience to consider why we should care about people with different abilities or different health or whatever
0: yeah absolutely and it's also Mm -hmm. uncomfortable right in any Mm -hmm. uncomfortable thought for anyone it's like i don't want to think about that Mm -hmm. like same of like oh i have multiple disabilities no you don't same concept Mm
2: -hmm. yeah exactly
1: It doesn't affect me, you guys. (laughs) Yeah. As soon as it does, that's when, oh, suddenly there's money for it. There's suddenly legislation that could be passed for it. Oh, how convenient. Mm
0: -hmm. Yeah.
1: Yeah. It's it's disgusting.
0: It's a good discussion and it's worth having. And it's something that I think I would love to see talked more about.
1: Mm-hmm. um
0: thank you so much for coming on the episode i want to talk more about it i feel like another episode <laughs> coming soon yeah maybe. there's so much that can be said
1: yeah. yeah we could absolutely come back to this for sure but um thank you so much uh both of you for you. being on tonight i know that this episode is a bit later than we usually post uh hopefully our little week off uh y'all were taking care of yourselves um as for us follow us on instagram at hey who podcast like the facebook page send us emails
0: (laughs) (laughs) send us emails take care of yourselves guys thank you so much for sticking with us and as always don't tell us to to just get get over it. it